Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here at Millstone Pizza in Old Town Rock Hill, South Carolina. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Chris Trevitt. And we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town USA. No, okay. Bernardo is a guest. Welcome, Bernardo. Hello. All right. Well, great. The man named right. Bernardo. The man named Bernardo. That's all you need to know about him. We, we've enjoyed <laughs> having you here today on the podcast. Yeah. We'll be back next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Got a all lot right. of this. So, Bernardo, you came down from Charlotte to visit with us, correct? Correct. And you, uh, tell us about your company um, and, and, and what you guys do. Well, again, my, my name is Bernardo Marentes. I am one of the owners of Caravan Cinema Company. Uh, we're based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we do a lot of commercial work. We do a, uh, a lot of documentary and nonprofit work. Um, kind of a full full service agency. It's a, a production company. Um, we'll either work directly with a client to um, kind of come up with concepts, deliver uh, deliver the product, or uh, partner up with smaller agencies um, to kind of fulfill their production needs. So you can do a, a heavier duty kind of production than most uh, marketing agencies can handle. Correct. Yeah. So we've we've kind of built, um, we've all kind of come from a, a freelance background in Charlotte. So we've kind of built up networks with uh, a lot of people that we work with, um, uh, and it makes it a lot easy. It makes it really easy for us to kind of pull people in yeah, when we have bigger right. projects. So we can it can be you know. Um, low budget skeleton crew, or uh, you know, if we need you know 30 people on set, we can kind of you know, tap that, into those resources in town. That whole network of resources is such part of the fabric of the new economy. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's so where so many creative services industries are. That ability to be flexible and agile and not carry a bunch of infrastructure cost. I mean, I'm sure you guys have a lot of equipment because filmmaking takes a lot of equipment. Is that, is that fair? Correct, yes. But we don't have to uh, have a gaffer. We don't have to have a grip on, crew, uh, you know, on staff. Um, so it's just three of us, three partners, uh, and then we'll hire everybody else out. So, uh, yeah. so, yeah, we only have to take care of three offices and not. That's similar to, I guess, uh, the uh, <clears throat> filmmaking industry, like the creative filmmaking industry as well. I mean, you put together the project based on the team that you need to execute the project. Right, I mean, yeah. that's been going on for ever as far as making movies that's how they always do it yeah it's very rare that you have a, a film studio that doesn't work that way that's you have like shocker because this is always what comes out of my mouth but you have a company like pixar that's part of what they deal with that they run a company where they keep people on staff even when they don't have a project which is very rare it's like a, it's a hard it's like a difficult thing that's in the hollywood steve system jobs influence control kind of yeah thing steve jobs was like whoa this is how it works. Yeah. He says that. That was one of my favorite Steve Jobs qu quote <laughs> is, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it's three ho -hos, I thought I about getting a tattoo of it because it means that it much to me. It does mean a lot, yeah. It is. Everybody <laughs> knows it's him, too. You wouldn't even have to say accredited. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so... Right. Um, so I think that uh, the film industry has been working that way forever. The real estate industry worked that way for a long time. You know, you put together, like development, like you develop a neighborhood and then right before the bust, you know, everybody would develop a neighborhood. You have a developer, an architect, a, you know, a real estate person. They would just come together as a contracted team, whereas most businesses traditionally are working in, in a heavy infrastructure, you know, organizational chart, 
kind of thing versus um, pulling the talent around the project itself. You know, we've tried to learn from that in our work. You know, we, we define a project and then we pull the team around the project and the work defines the team. I mean, is that similar to what you guys? Definitely, yeah, and it, it's always changing. Um, for example, the, the latest project that we finished was for a, a client here in Rock Hill. That, the last project we did was completely motion graphics animation. So that project is very different from anything else we've done for them before. Right, yeah. To where, uh, obviously... Like we, the people you need and the exactly, team you need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for any other commercial project that we've done for them before, it's a matter of getting a director, cinematographer, gaffer, grips, and kind of you, you end up you know, with a 10-person crew, right. at least. Um, for this motion graphics piece, it was mostly about getting a copywriter, a, a director, and uh, an animator right, and yeah. designer. So, I mean... A lot of time in a computer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So really completely awesome. different from, uh, from what we've done before. And, and obviously, uh, it'd be hard for us to justify having a motion graphics guy on staff because, you know, one out of the five projects that we've done recently is motion graphics. Right, but, you right, know. yeah. Makes total sense. So, so where are you from? I'm originally from Colombia, South America. So I'm oh, from okay. Medellin. Wow. How, when did you leave there? I, uh, I've kind of been all over the place, but I left there uh, when I was three, so I, I, like, I, I, just, I was... I'm out of here. You're like, here. I'm out of here, man. Yeah. I've had enough. You let, you're like, cops, I'm out of here. You threw your, your mic down. <laughs> so I lived there until I was three, and then... Um, you moved out of your apartment. Moved out of my apartment. <laughs> I cashed, uh, you know, cashed my checks in. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> popped my Harley. <laughs> Um, a baby biker. Yeah, baby right. Biker. That's a big yeah. thing now. Yeah, it's a big thing now. Yeah. <laughs> you were the you were the baby biker. This is the second time I've made this joke on here. You were like that. Have you guys ever seen the picture of like the James Dean baby? No. Uh, it's like a you'll see it in like crappy restaurants and stuff. Like a, it's like a James Dean baby with like a tattoo. That's so. That's it. My kindergarten senior picture. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's me. That was me. That was how you got all that money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So then then you went. The, uh, from there, uh, we lived in Ecuador wow. for a couple of years. Then we moved to um, Pennsylvania wow. for a year. Pennsylvania, South America? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my right understanding. Next to, it's right next to Peru. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It is my understanding that all cities in America are represented in other countries, like yeah. Colombia. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then most of my life was spent in Honduras, Central America. So I lived okay, there for wow. about 10 years. Um, and then in 2004, I moved up to uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Huh. So I've been in the States ever since. Um, so I imagine that you speak Spanish. Yes, first well, language. We, because, of, because of Florida? Yeah, because Florida. <laughs> there's so much Spanish in Florida, I figured. But, um, and Pennsylvania, especially. <laughs> Amish, Flor Amish Spanish. Yeah, it's a big Amish Spanish. Well, it's Spanish. Pennsylvania Spanish. Yeah, right. So right. It's, yeah, it's Spamish. It's Spamish. Um, but anyway, we need to have you to our... Uh, uh, Spanish Fridays, we uh, invite a Spanish speaker and we have lunch with Spanish because oh, four yeah. of us are trying to learn Spanish. Oh, really? And we ask you to speak nothing but Spanish. But I am I'm the worst Spanish teacher. <laughs> no, you don't teach, you just talk to us. I know, but even that, I just have this weird, <laughs> like, super language snob thing going. Oh, it's just, wow. ter it's terrible. Like, okay, my wife's been trying to learn Spanish and I'm just the worst. I'm just... Well, then never mind. <laughs> I, just, I have this thing where if I meet someone in Spanish, then I'll... 
we talk in Spanish. Right. But if I meet you in English, it's like very hard for me to go back to English. Oh, right. I don't know why. You just want to laugh at that person. <laughs> You're awful. You're I mean, a fool of both even, of us. Even people that speak Spanish as their native language, but if we've met in English, yeah. then it's just like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't yeah, do this, man. Sorry. People. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Wow. Okay, well then never mind. I'm like, <clears throat> anywho. But uh, Duolingo. Duolingo is really good. That's what I'm using, yeah. So, and, and Rosetta Stone. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so um, when did you get into uh, making film? Um, I feel like it was, I started um, doing photography. That was, that was kind of my, my big thing. I grew up, like I said, I grew up in Honduras. So, um, so grew up loving movies, going to movies a lot. It was just, that's kind of like a thing that, you know, especially my mom lo loves movies. And it was just like a thing that we would do. Uh, it was incredibly cheap, so we just go and, and watch movies all the time. The rating systems were like terrible, so it was like non-existent, non-existent. So yeah. it was like, it was like I remember watching Jurassic Park when I was like a little tiny. Yeah, you know, nice. I don't know, however old I was when it came out, and it was just terrifying but yeah. amazing. And I got to watch all these movies. Um, so I grew up loving movies, uh, but taking a lot, of, a lot of pictures. Like I was my dad's photographer essentially he would just kind of hand the camera off to me on any trips or any events and, right, and yeah. I would do the photography um, I came to but sorry the whole reason I was mentioning Honduras was um, growing up in Honduras I feel like it was very much um, the, the idea of making movies was kind of like an unrealistic like idea it was just kind of like oh this thing that they do in LA and it's awesome right, and I get to enjoy it but it's just like not it's not like the idea of like a homegrown filmmaker is right. just not a reality like right. there's no there was no independent Honduran yeah. film scene or, you know? yeah. that's not limited to Honduras yeah. that feeling I <laughs> right, promise yeah. you yeah. <laughs> that exists in Rock Hill South Carolina but that's a, there's a different reality around it. and I know that's where the story's going but there's yeah. a different reality around that now than there used to be yes definitely yeah, yeah. but back then uh, yeah and I guess you know when I was growing up it was uh, what it would have been similar in Rock Hill where it was yeah. like you know oh I don't have a 16 millimeter camera right. I can't do it um, but now yeah definitely you know just get a T3i and then you're you're a director, but um, of, of terrible, terrible yeah. film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I moved to, to Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I did the the community college thing. I didn't really know what I was gonna do. I was just like, ah, oh, maybe I'll do psychology or like, um, what was the other thing? Civil engineering or something. Just like things that I would be terrible at. Right. <laughs> I decided that I would try that. Because uh, even like a like a like a career in the arts just wasn't a thing. Like it just wasn't an existing thing. Yeah. I started there. Um, I actually fell in love with sculpture there. So it's like I was like I'll, I was very close to just being like oh, I just want to just do sculpture full time. Yeah. <laughs> that should be my thing. Uh, but then I just took an elective, just like a film is literature class. It's called, um, and just fell in love with the theory behind it. You know the kind of the why uh, the why cinema exists and. And kind of how people have used this uh, as kind of like a, a mixture and mishmash of all these other art forms, and you know, kind of using sound and editing and you know these visual images um, to kind of, to tell the story. Um, and my professor was very encouraging. I think there was the very first thing I did. I think was a uh, it was like a public library film competition or something. It was like a buddy movie theme. So he was like, "Would you just do it?" You know, because uh, that the whole. It was obviously very intimidating. It's like, oh, you can't just like make movies. Like that's you, that's not how it works, right. you know. Yeah. But he's like, no, just just borrow a camera and just do it. Yeah. So it was, did you make the movie in the library? No, it was uh, okay. the only. It was it was sponsored by the library. Okay. 
uh, and it was like an amateur film competition where you. Where I think I won like a spoiler. I, I won. I won the okay. competition. Right. So that's what happens at the end of the story. But, <laughs> um, but I think I won like a ten dollar gift certificate for like some Irish pub or something, <laughs> and, and like some like a book. Yeah, like a book voucher or something. Yeah, <laughs> free rentals from the library. Yeah. Ten dollars with the free late fees. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but yeah, I just borrowed a camcorder. Um, made the movie fell in love with it and that was kind of like that was it from from that point on I felt like oh, that's was, awesome. it, what felt, it felt you, right that's great yeah. what brought you to Charlotte um, I moved to Charlotte for a job with Elevation Church okay so I was um, I was working in Tampa at the time um, kind of been following Elevation's work for for a while um, very new to like this mega church kind of scene uh, I didn't really know much video about stuff video or videos, okay. yeah. Because uh, I had gone to college with uh, the guy that's now the lead video guy there, okay. uh, Jared Hogan. So I, I kind of knew of him, knew of his work, and you know, I was kind of unhappy and not unhappy, just kind of un- unsatisfied in Tampa, um, and decided to just give it a shot. So I was like, oh, I'll, just, I'll put together a demo reel. I did it like overnight and sent sent them my my info. Um, I got the job and moved to Charlotte. Wow, cool. So- and you did that for a couple of years, right? I did that for about two years, I think, okay. something like that. Yeah, I bet you learned a lot in that process. It was it was an incredible, yeah, incredible experience. What kind of you were talking about uh, earlier? We were talking. You were talking about a, a documentary that you were doing, uh, traveling to Africa and. Yeah, so that was actually after I left um, my position on staff there, um, but they needed somebody that could go. The cell was, hey, we need you to go to Africa, and it's going to be like three week, three or four weeks. Yeah. And um, it'll be fun. So I was yeah. like, oh, cool. I've never been to Africa. Let's do it. <laughs> so we ended up going to um, Sudan, Ethiopia, Uganda, and Tanzania. And up into, into North Sudan at the time, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, yeah, it was an incredible experience uh, just out there for just every day. All we did was shoot and travel. Wow. So it was That's crazy. It was, and made a documentary out of it. Yes. And so then I got back. Um, and they were kind of slammed with other work, so they asked me to, to edit it, um, which I did. And it was a very, very long, gruesome, gruesome process of yeah. going through, you know, four weeks of footage and crafting the story. Uh, but yeah, we ended up with a, like a, I think, forty-five minute cut. That's for the great. Documentary. So you know, <clears throat> let me go back to this thing you talked about about you know, it just wasn't an option to make a movie because you know that's what people do with gazillions of dollars in LA in the United States you know and Chris here in Rock Hill experiencing the same thing I mean he's part of of the United States economy but he's still experiencing I can't just make a movie that's what they do in LA you know yeah so when does that from either of y'all from both of y'all's perspective when I mean you just told us your story on that I guess but you know how different is it And, and when do we start to realize that like um you know, there can be a whole local culture. It's like beer. I mean, Budweiser used to make beer. Anheuser-Busch made beer. You right. can't just make beer. Right. Now, like, everybody's right. making yeah. beer. Yeah. You know, how has that changed in the fabric of our culture, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, I mean, it definitely is a generational thing, too. I think that, like, you know, the environment I grew up in, it was like, I didn't have really good grades in school. So it's like, well, therefore, I won't be successful. And so, therefore, my world is... I have to go be work construction or something because either you get good grades or you go work in a construction site. Right. And um, that's just the South 
and like that's just a generation that sort of sees things that way because I mean as far it's funny the way that I mean I guess it really is just technology that affects things in that way that I, I it's like Bernardo said it's like growing up I mean the concept of like making movies just didn't I knew I loved movies and I knew that you know but you made records right Oh, you mean like as, as when I was a teenager and made music and stuff? Did y'all make records? Like as in carving them out of vinyl? No, did you? But but you sent off to. I mean, we made records. Man. Oh yeah, I'm we sorry. I thought you made. Yeah 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 yeah. We went to a recording studio. I wish I made records. We. I by the time I was doing it, it was digital. By the time oh, I was really? playing music, I wish I'd. I'd well, never I'm recorded old, vinyl. But uh, but we made <laughs> records, you know, and we we felt like. But but if I wouldn't have been introduced to that punk scene at you know 11 years old, I wouldn't have known there was a world where we could just do it. Cause see, I saw those rock stars on TV and thought, well, that's not. I mean, it's not. It's not me. Right. It, see, exactly. It's like the '90s was a big transition. It's funny that Kurt Cobain represents this, and it's it's just music. But I think our culture at large, beyond music, music's the most visible thing that changed like that in the '90s and right. became, I think, became like anybody can do it. You don't have to be a rock star with giant hair. Like that was a big part of the the '90s and what it meant. But even in film, the same thing was happening. You know, with guys like yeah. Kevin Smith and, and Richard Linkletter, right? And, and, and even Quentin Tarantino. Them, them seem, even they, excuse me, even they seem unattainable once they because we don't hear about them until they become famous. And right. then we're like, yeah. oh, we're not going to be the diamond in the rough that gets discovered right. and becomes famous. But you you show me a no budget filmmaker in this country right now that's shooting. 50 setups a day, I'll show you someone who's going to talk about Robert Rodriguez. Do you know right, what I mean? So right. it's like, and, and, and like, it's, it's always, well, we can do it because of Robert Rodriguez. You know, right. it's yeah, like, it's right. always about that. You know, even though he's really famous now and stuff, like, where I don't, I don't know if, how many listeners of the, the podcast know who Robert Rodriguez is, but he's the go-to. He like, down on a... <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. And so he, now he's, he's someone who was emerging in the 90s, but the way he treats film now, even as a well-known director he treats it with the same way he learned to make movies. Like he does it, he does whatever he thinks he should do to make his movie. He does not worry the slightest bit about what Hollywood. Yeah, that's interesting. And not just conceptually, not just like, I ain't worried about Hollywood. I mean right. like practically, like very pragmatically, the way he produces his, pro produces his product, makes his product, um, he regards it the same way he did, I'm sure, when he was a teenager. Yeah. Like he does things very unconventional. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's like the uh, business that you guys have built, you know, I would imagine, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I imagine you're not aspiring to like, hey, one day we're going to make it and move out to L.A. It's like y'all are doing what you're doing here because you're choosing to do it here. I mean, you're not, you're not, you don't have to move there to do it. That's one thing we talk about a lot on this podcast is because of the connectedness of the village, what we call it. We can do what we want to here because we choose to be here. I mean, our business, we serve all kinds of people all over the place. We do it from right here because we want to be here. Yeah. You know, so do, are the other people in your business, are they um, wanting to be in Charlotte because they're from here? Or like, what's y'all's connecting to, to Charlotte? I think at first it started as we're just in Charlotte. Right. Um, and I feel like now now you can kind of be, be anywhere. And, you know, we'll, we'll still work with agencies out of New York, out of L.A., um, have clients all over the place, but we don't necessarily have to deal with that overhead of, of kind of having an office in New York or, um, you know, we pay Charlotte real estate, and, you know, it's right. cheaper and, you know, our standard of living is, is a lot higher than what we'd be, you know, yeah. experiencing elsewhere. But, um, but yeah, I feel like it's, we've, it started just because we were here 
and uh, and we've developed a community around us that we really enjoy. Um, constantly keep meeting new people that we're working with that we like, um, and so it just seems like a you know a good idea to be here. Office. What part of town? We're based out of we're our southeast. South, yes. No, South. A village? Like South End? Are you in a village or anything like that? We are actually off of Arrowwood in 77. Okay. Um, uh, Arrowwood 45, sorry. 77, 45. (laughs) One of those. One of those combinations is is correct. (laughs) As you guys grow and kind of flourish and stuff, do you imagine that you'll stay in that space? Or do you see yourself moving elsewhere? Not not even just geographically, but just within Charlotte. Definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we definitely would be moving somewhere where, where would be the ideal kind of, what would, I mean, like, what I'm, I'm, it's a leading question, what I'm getting to is, would it be preferable to you to live in a place that felt more like a village, like, I mean, to have your office there, like if it's South End or Dilworth or yes. whatever, is that preferable? Yes, uh, especially because, uh, like, South End would probably be ideal, because that's where the agencies that we're working with are, right. that's where, you know just a matter of the kind of socializing and that's you know yeah. that's where we're gonna get a drink after work yeah. or that's where we're gonna get, have lunch and you know yeah, uh, and everything's just closer it's better <laughs> yeah so we talk about this idea of you know place constantly that's really one of the uh, probably the core underlying theme of this podcast you know, it's called old town new world and the idea is that the old town concept is the concept of the village it's what we've removed from our society with compartmentalization and the um, you know industrialization um, over the past however many years, you know, since the 50s, we've developed cities for the automobile. And, you know, back in the early 1900s, late 1800s, cities in this country were about um, people in a space, people walking around, talking. Economies were based on, you know, handing things to each other in a, in a space, you know. But the Industrial Revolution, you know, the only thing that brought money from outside of our, our town was manufacturing or agriculture, depending on where you are. And so you needed lots of space, big, dirty plants or lots of farmland, whatever. And that brought money in from the outside. And the services was just to shuffle money around local economy. But what that did was it, it disenfranchised the, uh, the environment, basically. So now there's this radical change going on. And the new economy is based on creative services and your company is a perfect example you know y'all do work with somebody here in rock hill or somebody in la or somebody in new york whatever you're bringing money from outside the community you bring it into your community you contract with a bunch of people that are hanging out in south end that now have money they spend it at the bars in the local community you know them because y'all are hanging out in south end and it's that village that you build those relationships and so it's like a it's a mechanism of the new economy and it's a cultural lifestyle choice and it's like uh, people of the millennial generation and and younger and coming up here don't discriminate between the two a cultural lifestyle choice is my business I'm doing this because this is how I live this is who I am this is what I do and so that whole you know the revitalization of that old town, that old village concept, as being the core of an economy. Used to, that only funk, that only worked for a local economy. Now you can be global. You know, I mean, I, I made, when I was in Boston last, I made contacts all over South America. You know, and here we are in Rock Hill. You know, you can't, you couldn't, used to, you couldn't do that. You know what I mean? It's that connectivity. That's why we call it the connected village. So I'm fascinated to hear it constantly reinforced with our guests um, that. The, the really cool and interesting endeavors that they're doing are not only lifestyle choices, not only do they add cultural flavor to the town they're in, but they're bringing money in from the outside and they want to be part of the fabric, you know? I mean, is all that fair from your perspective? Definitely, yeah. 
Yeah. Chris, point of wisdom? Um, I, everything you just said, I did not believe. I'm just kidding. I disagreed with You're everything. You're all dumber now. Yeah. <laughs> you were awarded zero points. I award you no points. Um, <laughs> and may God have mercy on yourself. <laughs> right. Since I, since, well, I mean, I think that's absolutely true. And I think that our even me and Micah being friends with Bernardo is an issue of, like, we went, our, we, our friend Tim, we went to his uh, meetup thing. It was a networking th- event thing he had. I met Tim at, a, at a film, the film festival here in Rock Hill. And I knew Tim in that online sense that I knew him, and we, you know, we interacted a little bit on the on the internet, in a, um, on the chat net. room. Yeah, we interacted on the net until he wanted to meet IRL, and I was like, OMG, I don't know. I was like IDK. Um, but uh, anyway, so but it was talking in person in a hip area called Noda Street, Street, <laughs> Street, Noda Street, where. And that's where we, our actual friendship began. And right. from that friendship came the relationship with Bernardo. And it's that it's because of that environment that this, that this stuff even happened for us. You know? And you did this movie that we need to talk about. Right, yeah. That we're about to go screen at Rev and Flow <laughs> after this uh, podcast. So what is uh, this movie? It's the short. We, we talked about it on here that we funded it with, uh, there was a fly. Oh, yeah, we did. Talk yeah, about we did. Oh, shut up then. Yeah, you shut up. <laughs> shut up. Oh, yeah, you shut up. <laughs> but how did you, uh, how did uh, Bernardo help with this? He made it good. Oh, really? <laughs> so tell me, Bernardo, why in the world would you work with these jokers? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> how did you get involved with it? Why did you do this project? Um, I, I mentioned before, we were talking before, that, um, this is actually something that I haven't done in a, in a long time. I think I've, I've gotten, I've gotten lots of scripts. I've got lots of meetings for for shorts and uh, and narrative projects, but um, but they just haven't felt right. They just haven't. I don't know. Just have, haven't. I feel like for something like that, like a narrative of a short, it just has to be an act of love, and it just yeah. has to be something that you're passionate about, and then it's it's right for you. Um, and so I met I met them. Um, Got the scripts. Met up with the uh, with the uh, Chris and Micah, and um, just immediately saw their passion for for what they've what they were doing. Uh, and I think that was probably the most the most attractive thing about it. The script was great, um, and just watching some of the old films, I think that you guys had made like Twenty One Questions. I think was uh, I think I watched it after I met you guys actually. But watching that was like, oh, this is like this is what I was doing, you know, when I was in college, and like this is what I, I wish I would have continued to do. You know, every weekend and kind of just hang out with my friends and shoot movies and which is something that I just hadn't done you know because work gets gets to be yeah you know the thing that you do and so it's like then passion projects don't really exist and it's just <laughs> yeah exactly and it seemed like the people that you were recruiting to help out repeatedly it seemed like the story was that they were willing to help out because it's all this stuff that they do for a living, and they just jumped at the chance to do something that wasn't part to of do that it not structure. For money, yeah, right. Exactly. To do it just yeah. for fun. And I think that was like the big thing. I think, and it sounds weird, but that was like the, a really attractive thing about it yeah. was like, hey, it's not like, hey, hey man, help us out with this one, and we don't, have, we'll pay you three hundred dollars a day. Right, yeah. It's not like that. It was just like we have no money. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. And then, the, and that was a lot more like, all right, I'm gonna do this, yeah, and we have yeah. no money, and nobody's getting paid. Right, yeah. Rather than like, I'm grumbling because I only yeah. I'm only getting paid you know, a hundred dollars or what you know. Yeah. Then it's like miserable. But if you do it for free, then it's like right. an act of love. You know, like I say. So. Now, now, granted, me and Micah directed granted. this. 
gra granite at the library. Um, I was looking up nuclear power. Um, anyways, uh, me and Micah, we just directed this short, and it's the first time we've ever just directed. So was that hard to just direct? Yeah. No. I mean, that's the thing I was gonna well, say is like they're really good. Well, but it's not hard. Oh I mean, wait, hold on. What? In other words, like, <laughs> is it hard to like? Didn't you want to grab the camera sometimes? No. That's the great thing about, I was so happy that, I have always said all along, Micah wanted to apparently, as he says from behind, you don't talk on the show, Micah. Hey, hold on, um, silent solo, Micah, rip yeah. it up. Um, oh wait, do I want to shoot with an, a red epic? Yes, but um, the thing is, is I've, I've said all along, you know, I've, I've spent the last however many years developing all my skills in, in movie making, as good as I can get them, with my goal being, I want to meet people who are better than me at all these things. Right. And I knew as soon, I, well I actually was uh, familiar with Bernardo's work before I met him. I secretly loved him from afar. <laughs> and, um, and as soon as Tim brought him up, I was like, yes. And from that moment on, I think I never thought twice about my intervention on what the cinematographer would wow. be doing. I let go, I knew, you and know. I mean, you know, this is the magic of division of labor. I mean, you know, it's like over at Revenflow, you know, why we're good at what we do is because we don't pretend that each of us are good at everything. I mean, each of us are, you know, we could develop our skills and everything, and you mm -hmm. guys have done some amazing work just by yourselves. But it's not a question of whether you could potentially be as good as somebody else or whether you are as good as somebody else, or like whether Micah is uh, the cinematographer uh, versus Bernardo or whatever. It's like if Bernardo focuses on cinematography mm -hmm. and Micah focuses on this, it allows you to focus and be exceptional in one area and then maybe on a different project you might move that area of focus but you focus on and then that project benefits from everybody being in a different know-how slice you know right yeah I think it's definitely the way to to get to get things done um, but what I think where I was going with that was it's the first time I've ever just directed and there were times when I felt lazy because of that yeah. it's a funny feeling because we've all of our productions Did you yell at anybody I did, yeah. yeah. I threw I threw a rotten apple at somebody. <laughs> at Mike. So you brought that on purpose? You're yeah. like, I might need this later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, okay, so having said that I did directing as a lazy man's job on set, it was the first time that after a production, I was just, like, when we were done, that next Monday afterwards, when I got up, I mean, I just, it's like maybe the best I've ever felt in yeah. my life. Well, you usually work yourself to death. I mean, usually doing makeup, editing, yeah. directing, acting, everything. Yeah. And, um, and I hadn't, but on top of that, it was just the experience of being, it was a lot of fun. And like I said, I'm only speaking from my perspective of someone who was just directing. It was so much fun and it was so positive and it never was, making movies isn't easy physically. It's just, it's just kind of, it, it's always a little bit grueling, no yeah. matter what. It's just how grueling is it? It's sort of what production is. Yeah. Um, but I just had so much fun. It was just a positive thing. And I think it's like Bernardo was saying, it's like the environment that we all had that I don't think anyone created. We all created an environment where it was just fun. It was just cool or whatever. Even, yeah. even at times where it felt like we, were, we weren't getting we were getting behind or whatever. It never felt desperate. It never right. felt like, man, we're getting way behind. And then magically everything. And then we went to cookout and it was awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, Bernardo, what was your role in this film? I was the cinematographer. Okay, great. So, meaning that there was just you and one camera or you and a crew of people that were under you, I mean, with you or whatever? So I, um, my role as a cinematographer was to um, 
consult with uh, Chris and Micah before beforehand to kind of work through shot list, um, kind of knew ahead of time where we wanted the camera, what we wanted it to look like, went through references, um, kind of had a, a good idea of what it, what it was going to look like in the end. So my job is to kind of translate Chris's, Chris and Micah's idea from the page, from what they've been talking about and kind of thinking up. Uh, and kind of actually capture it, yeah. light it, um, and compose the shots. So uh, wait a minute, light, I don't even think about that. Lighting it is a big deal, right? I mean, yes. And that's, <laughs> the that's the cinematographer's role. The cinematographer is kind of uh, in charge of the crew in general. Okay. So under me, I had a great gaffer, Brent Christie, who... Uh, and, sorry for my English, what yeah. is a gaffer? Isn't that the people who stabs the fish, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so that's right? Is that is that a thing? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. No. Well, the... the is that really a gaffer? Big stabs the fish? Is yeah. that a real thing? Because yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And we mean, this isn't code for something, right? We mean like fishermen. No, like a fisherman, <laughs> when you take out the gaff and you, and like when someone guy's reeling in the fish and then you stab the side of it to pull it in, a big fish, like a big oh, oh, deep oh. sea fishing kind of fish, and you pull it in, that, that's the gaffer. I mean, that's you gaffing the fish. And he goes, you did a good job. You're my best boy. <laughs> and he goes, no, I'm the gaffer. And he goes, so. I got a great grip. <laughs> got a great grip on this <laughs> gaffer. On this gaff. On this gaff. Uh, but but okay. anywho, um, so in your world, what is a gaffer? In do? our world, the gaffer is in charge of all electric. So they are, um, they are in charge of where I, where I am translating the director's vision into kind of like a tangible image. The gaffer is interpreting my vision of what that is into lighting. So okay. I, I will tell him, uh, for example, I want... Um, kind of like a single source kind of feel here to where you know everything's kind of falling off uh, make sure that the you know the back wall is two stops under what we're exposing for here or whatever um, just kind of a general idea of what the mood is or um, it, it really depends on what the, how the cinematographer works and with, with okay. the gaffer so. so all that is example of vocabulary that helps him interpret the vision that, yes. like y'all know what all that means and therefore it comes out looking like you want it to look yes and so and so uh, and obviously what kind of work off of each other but he's he's in charge of the whole electrical department basically uh, like I said so he is everything from running power to the rooms running power to everything camera whatever whatever we need um, placement of the lights and like that the grips are in charge of building any rigs that we might need uh, if we need to hang a light the grips would usually figure out a way to make it safe and um, and reliable um, and so in this case, we had, uh, it, was a, it was a pretty small crew, but I mean, pretty, pretty significant, like a very, a very good core, uh, core team of uh, myself. Uh, under me, we had uh, first, first assistant camera, who is in charge of pulling focus, who's in charge of building the camera, uh, and kind of man managing the camera, um, making sure it doesn't fall and break. The second AC that we had was in charge of, um, doing all the all the slates and uh and assisting the first assistant camera um which, is, which means the thing when you're like action you clap like clapper. yeah clapper. No, that's the job if that's the only thing i want to do is to clap. uh and then we had a key grip who's like i said in charge of kind of all the all the logistical equipment things um we we weren't we we weren't very i don't think we did anything too crazy um on this shoot um but uh but they would be in charge of building any rigs or anything like that like I said and then we had a couple grips just kind of hands to to help out wherever yeah. we needed them and PAs and stuff so 
It's a small crew, but uh, but it kind of represented. But it's what you would find on any any film, basically. But well, I'm impressed okay. with the fact that y'all were y'all were approached with a project that had no budget, and you pulled out a freaking crew <laughs> <laughs> to do this thing. Uh, as opposed to Micah and Chris being the crew, yeah. doing everything like they usually do. And, and to much success with the projects they've done, you know. So that's impressive. I mean, so there must have been buy-in through and through. Because it's not like your company decided to do this for free and then pay everybody. Right. So everybody volunteered their time to be part, creative part of this project. Is that right? Yes. And I think it's definitely something that's been, that was needed in Charlotte. Like, people just wanted and, you know, that's, it's, it's something that hasn't happened a lot. And by that I mean just like film, just short films in general that yeah. don't, don't really happen because we're all busy working and it's not. Um, it's something that we all love to do, but it's just something that not, nobody's saying like, "Hey, I'm gonna do it." You yeah. know, um, I think there's there's been a couple people uh, over the past two years that have kind of just really been uh, been all for it and just and said, "You know, I'm gonna do it. I don't have a budget, but I'm just gonna do it." And yeah. Chris and Micah being being uh, one of them. Um, but it was something that uh, that I feel like everybody was excited about. Yeah. Everybody was, uh, you know, who doesn't like making movies? I guess you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Because like I say, I mean, there are there have been times I have been on sets where I mean I was just miserable. It wasn't fun. It I wasn't happy. I did not enjoy it. It was a tedious thing to do. And like I said, even though physically, like as Bernardo just described to you, how that lighting works, you could see where the grueling part is. You see where yeah. the gruel comes in. But um when you just have a pot like that crew we just had there was just everybody was awesome and fun yeah. and positive and it was just there was no like negativity exactly yes. <laughs> yeah. everything was awesome yeah and there was just no negative negativity and it was just, and, it, and it's it's like what you said i i my youth was spent in bands and i always compared to being in a band and like it, it's definitely that sim it's a similar similar relationship there's more people but when you when you're in a band that you love and is the way a band should be, there's this very collaborative, like true kinship and feeling that everyone is working together to do yeah. one thing. You know. Well, what's cool about film to me, just for, as an outsider, you know, like we were, I was in bands, you know, and we did that. But it was the four of us, and then we would go to a place and we would include other people. But it was the four of us presenting our thing. I, what I think is about cool about a movie is like it might be a core three four people but every project is going to have like a different 12 15 17 people mm -hmm. you know what i mean some of them might be repeat some of them might be different so you're always like building a new band every show you play right, it's yeah. like a new band yeah true. You know? which i think is cool that flexibility you know around it well let me say this bernardo we really appreciate having you on the podcast Thank you. Uh, we appreciate you coming down from from charlotte to join us and um you know i gotta say as a as a rock hill uh as a spreader of the word of, of Rock Hill and its developing village I am very uh, it makes me happy to know that the creative energy that is in this place inspired you guys so much that y'all thought wow we hadn't seen this type of uh, positive creative energy around filmmaking in a long time and and I, I think that that type of renaissance uh, behavior or feeling is so critical to uh, kind of cultural environment in these places that I love to hear it coming out of Rock Hill you know it just really makes me feel good about what we're doing down here so we hope that we can have you um, down here as much as possible participating in what we're doing and uh, and the more the, the two places overlap the better so uh, you know any any last words uh, no just thank you thank because you so much for having me <laughs>
right at the end of this. <laughs> you, you will never leave Rock Hill. <laughs> you will never leave here. <laughs> I'm sorry I interrupted. Any, anything? Uh, no, I think um, it's very, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. <laughs> Now you put me on the spot. I'm like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. What are, what are words? Yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> what are words? But truly, what are words? <laughs> uh, really? No, I, f- I feel like, um, uh, like we were mentioning before. I think uh, community has been something that's drawn us to, to Charlotte and kind of kept us in Charlotte. Um, I've been all over the place, and I feel like, um, like Charlotte's the, the main draw for us in Charlotte has been the people that we've met and the, yeah. the people that we've worked with and the people that we've hung out with because um, that's something that I haven't been able to find elsewhere um, I've lived kind of all over the US too and uh, and especially in the film community it's just it's a very um, very selfless very um, very open community um, very accepting of people like I guess it's not very inclusive I guess yeah. or exclusive right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One of those. Yeah. Um, and so I feel I feel like everybody uh, is excited and uh, and anxious to jump on a project like like we were just discussing, uh, where where it's just about having fun and kind of doing your part. Because um, I feel like the more um, what made it really easy for for us to do the, the short, I think, was having all these people doing that their one thing that they're really good at. Because um, that really freed them up to just do it right and have fun doing it, you know. Um, so it's not something that they have to just struggle at, and you know, it's not stressful the whole day. Right, yeah. Um, and yeah, I feel like that that just made for a great, um, great film and uh, and a great process. Great, man. Well, we appreciate having you, Chris. Anything? Nice face. Oh my God, y'all should see that. Yeah, yeah I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, talk. I'll mess up my face. All right, well, I guess we'll see you next week on Old Town New World. With our eyes. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's a podcast.